Welcome to another edition of Communication Mixdown. I'm John Langer. <clears throat> Humans are more connected to each other than ever, thanks to smartphones, the web, and social media. At the same time, loneliness is a huge and growing social problem. Why is this so? That's a quote from our guest this week. His name is Roger Patulny, and he's the associate professor at the University of Wollongong, and he researches issues related to social inclusion, connection, and trust, and he's got a particular interest in something called the sociology of emotions. Recently, he's been investigating what's been described as Australia's loneliness epidemic and its relationship to the pervasive use of social media. Thanks for your time this evening, Roger. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Now, I wanted to start with some broad contextualizing, if you wouldn't if you wouldn't mind. First up, tell us a little bit about this area called the sociology of emotions as a field of study. Because my, in my way of thinking, the realm of emotions is usually or typically connected to the field of psychology. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, very much so. Um, in uh, most people's uh, sort of popular imagination of, of, of emotions, um, uh, they sort of think of it as the thing that psychologists deal with, for sure. Um, but sociologists uh, do have a, a great interest uh, in emotions uh, these days because there's increasing recognition that uh, the way that we experience emotions, and in particular the way that we're allowed to express our emotions, is highly social. Um, in different social contexts, it's okay to show certain feelings, and others it's not. And loneliness is a, a key emotion in this regard. Sometimes you can show you're lonely and sometimes you definitely can't. Mm. And uh, I assume that the sociology of emotions would also have a sort of historical dimension to it as well. Would, they, would that be right? Oh, that's true. The, um, the study of the sociology of emotions uh, goes back a good uh, 30, 40 years or so. Uh, <clears throat> some might trace the roots of it even earlier. But um, landmark studies in the sociology of emotions uh, uh, are those of uh, the American sociologist Arlie Hochschild, who did some uh, fantastic work uh, in the late 70s uh, and 80s, uh, where she looked at uh, what we call today emotion management, which is how we control and express and, and evoke and summon our emotions. Um, to suit our social surroundings, uh, in particular when we're at work. So Hochschild did a study of airline stewardesses at the time in the, in the 70s and the intense amount of work they had to do to manage their emotions amongst uh, their, their customers to keep the business going and to keep people people happy. I can imagine. So a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine how difficult that would be. Very, very difficult. You've got to, if you, if you think about it, like a lot of people are nervous of flying and it was the job of these people to calm people down and make them feel okay and, and also at the same time to 
you know, to upsell them items and uh, and to keep smiling, smiling at all times, constant smiling. Mm. You know, mm. Mm. I was the first one to pick up on this, and this sort of launched this sociological study into how emotions are felt and managed in different social contexts. Yes, and and uh, I, I assume that in in relation to uh, uh, kind of historical trajectory, emotions would be different. Say in the nineteen, the control of emotions, the uh, managing of emotions would be different. In say in the nineteenth century, compared to the twentieth century, perhaps even compared as you're, I think you're talking about the twenty first century. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> There's uh, uh, great changes which have happened over time. Um, a lot of this stuff is contested. Uh, 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 we in Australia actually had, uh, for, for many years, um, a especially ARC, um, Australian Research Council, uh, funded um, Centre for Excellence on the History of Emotion, which is quite... They did some fantastic work, those guys. Mm. Uh, and um, they're now a, um, they're changed into a, a society and they're still doing some um, great work on the history of emotions. Um, but I could uh, throw my bit out there and say that uh, the way that we um, experience emotions and the way we manage emotions has certainly changed. And, and one of the big factors in that change uh, is the rise in social media uh, and the mediation of emotion and emotional expression. That's yeah. really what we're on about in, in Communication Absolutely. Mixdown, and this is really why I've got you on the show to talk a little bit about this. But one of the things, again, just to, to contextualize some of the things that you're going to talk about, you and many others have been talking about what's been described as a loneliness epidemic in Australia. Mm. And I was wondering if you could tell us what is this exactly and why is it being called an <clears throat> epidemic? So um, the the term um, epidemic implies uh, something which, you know, hits a society hard, has a big impact, grows, etc. I mean, we, we are having a global epidemic of the, you know, coronavirus right now, so... You know, it's not hard for people to imagine what an epidemic looks like, I guess. Um, so I want to be a bit careful about what I say um, mm. in, in regards to, to, to loneliness. Um, <clears throat> in Australian society at the moment, um, there is evidence of a substantial amount of loneliness in our society. Uh, but I do not want to be alarmist to the point of saying that it's, it's growing exponentially out of control and, mm. and people need to really freak out. Um, but I will say a few things. Uh, one is that Loneliness is um, a more uh, prominently growing uh, phenomena in uh, a number of countries overseas. Uh, and it might be a little bit well, somewhat stable uh, in Australia right now, but there's a few things we need to keep in mind and, and be conscious of for the future. Um, and those things are uh, we have a growing number of single-person households, uh, we have an ageing population, which points to potentially more single-person households in the future, you know, as you get a number of older people who end up living alone. Um, we also live in a, in a society which is experiencing an increase in the sort of the flux of relationships. Um, for younger people, it's never been easier to, to, to end relationships effectively, you know, with, with this sort of massive access to online dating systems. Um, it's very, very easy to sort of come and go and come and go, you know. Mm. Um, and in addition to that, we have uh, a sort of a long-term fall in, in marriage rates, um, which is not to say people are not partnering because we have a rise in de facto, right? But it does suggest more capacity for flux. So 
it's very, very important to keep in mind that um, as we move into the future, um, loneliness will become more of a problem, not less of a problem. So we need to take it seriously. And a question that I had when I was uh, looking at some of your work is how do you actually measure uh, loneliness or how do you assess people's uh, loneliness? Is, is there a, a particular scale that you use or, or how, how does that work? So <clears throat> there's a number of different uh, measures that are used for it. Uh, one of the most common ones is the um, uh, UCLA um, uh, battery questions uh, uh, to measure loneliness. That's a psychometric um, device. Uh, so these are questions that might go in a survey asking people about aspects of uh, how they feel uh, disconnected from others and how much contact they have with others. Um, but in more recent years, people have been asked questions directly about how uh, lonely that they lonely they feel. Um, so Australia's uh, um, big panel survey, uh, meaning a, a, lot, a lot of um, uh, uh, countries, uh, um, OECD countries these days have sort of a, a, you know a flagship uh, panel survey where they follow you know ten thousand odd people every year. Uh, to ask them many important questions, nationally representative survey. Australia's is called Hilda, H-I-L-D-A. It's a um, so it's a it's a it's a very very high quality uh, survey that that we run every year in Australia. It's been going for about twenty years now, and that that survey has um, a range of questions about uh, how people feel. Uh, sorry, asking about social isolation in a number of ways, perceived social isolation, and one of those questions um, asks people. How often do you feel lonely? Or, 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 you know, I often feel lonely. How much do you agree with that question? So we use these survey questions to get at loneliness in the population and to work out which groups of people feel more and less lonely. Now, in the middle of all this, as you've uh, alluded to and as we're going to be talking about, is social media. And you've found that there's seemingly some very contradictory trends in terms of how social media connects <clears throat> to people's sense of loneliness. And, for example, you, mm. you point out that the most and the least lonely people are both heavy social media users. I wonder if you could unpack that. Absolutely. Um, so you noticed before when I talked about some worrying concerns about the future and how things are changing, um, I, I, I mentioned a number of things, but what I didn't say was, oh, and we're all using social media a lot more. And, and the reason why I didn't, say, oh, we're all using social media a lot more and therefore we're going to be lonely is because I don't want to say using social media makes you lonely, you know. I don't want to say uh, that, you know, if, you, if you're if looking at your kids in your household and they're sitting there on their devices and, and you're worried about how much time they're spending on Instagram, you know, you better you better freak out now because they're going to become lonely people. It's, it, it, this is not what the evidence uh, seems to suggest. Um, <clears throat> the studies that are around... Uh, point to instead um, a situation where, yes, some people are using social media an enormous amount and they're very, very lonely people. But the key thing is that these are people who have used social media to the exclusion of any other kind of contact with others. And counter to this group of people, we get another group of people who are highly social people, you know, and the sort of people who... You know, almost can't sit still. They're too busy being out there and active and engaged. And they use social media relentlessly to help them with that, you know, very high active level of social engagement that they like. Um, you know, the person who 
you know, organises community events, a person who wants to promote their latest, uh, you know, piece of written work or a play or something. Um, and the point that I'm trying to make here is that it's not social media in itself that in any way causes loneliness. It's how it's used by people that really matters. Mm. Yeah. You, in fact, uh, just to quote you back to yourself, you, you say mm-hmm. that it's uh, it's not social media itself, as you point out. It's the way it's integrated into existing lives that that has a, as some sort of impact. Absolutely, yes. Um, so, for example, um, you know, uh, I probably use social media too much myself. Uh, you know, on my bad days, I'm. I'm, 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 you know, quickly checking online in a spare moment to see if there's an update on Facebook or just see what's happening on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, just flicking, flicking. Right. Um, That's a and, bit of a bit of a confession from you, there, Roger. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, because um, uh, I, uh, well, I've, I've got several reasons. One, I just want to catch up on what you know mates might be doing. I might also want to catch up on the news. You to flick to Twitter for that one, um, or I just might want to um, see if there's an event going on. Sometimes that's happening on Facebook, you know. So you sit there and you have a, you have a bit of a flick and so on. But um, the best thing is when I go on a Facebook, for example, check some events or whatever, and then I see, oh, a couple of my mates are going to the same event. That's great. You know, they're, they're showing interest in that event. And then suddenly you work off that to try and decide, I'm going to go to this event because it will help me keep in contact with the, the good friends that I have. Mm. And... Also, very recently, um, I've, I've gotten more into using WhatsApp, and I use WhatsApp now to organise my friends to do stuff. You know, I say, "Hey, let's start the WhatsApp um, cooking group, or let's start a WhatsApp um, go down the coast and um, and have a have a weekend away group." You know, and again, this is the point of let you know make the social media work for you to help you connect to you, uh, keep connected to your existing friends, as opposed to just checking it because you've got nothing else to do you know yeah roger let's just have a little break and uh, give you a a bit of a breather and uh, we'll be back after this you're with communication mixdown and this week we're talking with sociologist and social research researcher roger patulny and he's at the university of wollongong and we're talking about the interface between loneliness and the use of social media Wear your Radical Radio colours in one of 3CR's new T-shirts. The bright new design comes straight from this year's popular Radiothon poster designed by Aisha Tufa. T-shirts cost $30 to pick up or $37 with postage. So drop into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Call 9419-8377 to place your order. Or buy one online at 3cr.org.au slash shop. 3CR Radical Radio T-shirts. Get Get one one now. now. Now, Roger, I want to drill down a little bit into those contradictions that you've been investigating in relation to loneliness and social media. And uh, without getting too technical, there's a couple of useful terms and useful ideas, actually, that you refer to that might lend a little bit of clarity. Tell us about the distinction between social loneliness and emotional loneliness and where social media fits into this. Mm. Um, <clears throat> excellent question. Um, uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for asking it. <laughs> uh, um, uh, uh, I, um, there's a very clear distinction in the, in the literature around loneliness over, over the last um, uh, decades between uh, what's called social and emotional loneliness. Now, 
Uh, social loneliness refers to the kind of loneliness we experience without, uh, when we lack contact with other people. Many lack, lack contact from you know with, with many many other people. Um, but emotional loneliness is where we feel disconnected from others, almost regardless of how much contact we have with other people. So, you know, for example, you might go to work and be surrounded by lots of people at work. You've got plenty of contact, chatting away, blah, blah, blah. But if you don't feel particularly close to those people at work, you can still feel quite emotionally lonely, even though you've spent a fair bit of the day talking to people. On the other hand, um, you might have one very special close person in your, in your life. Very commonly, it's partner. You know, someone's partner is their special, their special friend. Um, and from having that person in your life, um, you feel good. You feel, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fussed. I'm not too worried. You know, um, a lot of men are like this, especially. Um, you know, if they, their, their wife and, and their, their partner is their, their, that special someone. And they, and they think, I'm good, you know, except that they don't have much contact widely with other people. And, and they experience social loneliness, being disconnected from others. Now, the relevance of this for social media is social media is fantastic for connecting you to a wide range of people. You know, you can have a ton of friends on, on Facebook and many connections on uh, other sites. Um, but you don't necessarily know any of them particularly well. And, you, and, you, and if you don't ever see them or actually hang out with them, you won't develop those special, important emotional bonds but that are particularly important for alleviating loneliness. Mm. And uh, just to go back to uh, some of those contradictions that uh, you were talking about a little bit earlier, social media does, in a, in a <clears throat> sense, on, one, on the one hand, as you said, it's, it can create social uh, connections, but emotional connections are, are absent. But social media also provides lots of ways, let's call them pathways for connectedness. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about some of the, 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 the ways that people have been using it to make those kinds of social connections. Sure. Um, or sorry, I, emo- I should, should be saying emotional connections. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I certainly wouldn't say that social media doesn't uh, create emotional connections, you know, that they're absent. Um, uh, uh, like, like a very good example is um, there are plenty of online support groups that people use and, and, and rely upon, um, you know, particularly in fields of health. Um, you know, a lot of I, I personally know people who are cancer survivors who have gotten involved in online uh, groups that, that, are, that are mutually supportive and, and, and absolutely wonderful. Um, and so that's, those, that's one example of uh, highly supportive online groups. Um, <clears throat> but what I am sort of saying more broadly is that if you leave aside the specialised groups which can help you with a particular issue, um, social media connections typically don't give you the same quality of, of, of emotional connections to others as, 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 as catching up physically with um, good close friends that you, uh, that you might know. And where this becomes more complicated is where social media starts to substitute for physical catch-ups, and in some ways starts to produce its own special dynamics which make it difficult uh, for people to properly connect with each other. So do you mind if I just break that down a little bit more? Sure. Yeah, okay. So the substitution effect is something that I think, you know, we can all understand. Um, for example, 
uh, every now and then on Facebook, somebody, uh, you know, I get this contact from some someone I knew from school, and it's like, oh yeah, there's that dude from school, and you know, and I, and I get a brief, uh, you know, feed or something about what the person's been up to, you know, a few highlights, and I think, well, I don't need to bother catching up with them again because I know what's going on, except I don't. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? So you suddenly your laziness is fed by the whole. Oh, you know, I get occasional updates from that person, so why bother giving them a phone call or catching up with them in real life? Mm. You know, so it creates this sort of substitution effect. So that's that's one thing. Um, can I just yes. talk about something else yes. quickly? Sure. Yeah. Um, the second factor, uh, and this goes back to the very start of our conversation when you asked me about the sociology of emotions. And I said it, uh, it's very much about the study of how we feel and are allowed to feel and are allowed to express our emotions in society. Um, and I'll bring that conversation to right now and talk about online um, and say that uh, the online space uh, often does not let us express the kind of feelings that we want to express, including loneliness. So here's an example. When was the last time you went on social media, Facebook, whatever, and you saw somebody uh, putting up a post t- telling the world how they really felt, like they, that they felt lonely, they felt depressed, or they felt like they were isolated. There's a very, very strong impetus built into our social media to present a happy persona. Mm. And that's, that's, that's very tough for connecting properly with other people, you know, if they're not presenting themselves um, accurately or authentically. Mm. Now, just to go back to the beginning of our chat, where you've just referred to the beginning of our chat, the loneliness mm. epidemic, which you, you've qualified as well. But mm. some of the indicators of that kind of epidemic, you've mentioned a few of them. Are there some others that we need to pay attention to? Yes. Um, so <clears throat> I mentioned um, that there are some indicators of the future. But I'll also point out that we have some surveys showing that even in the present, uh, um, we have survey data showing that something between a fifth and a third of Australians report feeling regularly, chronically lonely. So we have very large numbers of people who do report this as an issue. And I will also add that um, maybe some uh, of your listeners might think, uh, does it is it really that big a deal? Like, you know, I feel lonely sometimes and I'm basically fine, so what's the big deal, you know? Mm. And I just want to add that, well, yep, uh, there are times where we feel a bit lonely and that's one thing, but there's a fair bit of research now to show that people who feel chronically lonely, regularly lonely, uh, experience a range of um, quite difficult health problems, Um, poor mental health, depression, um, and even physical health problems like cardiovascular disease. So there are a range of studies linking this chronic loneliness to pretty important health problems. So it's it's no small thing. Mm. Um, and if I just add one more thing as well, uh, loneliness is not distributed evenly across the population. Certain groups of people are more likely to feel lonely than other groups of people. For example? So, for example, um, we've known for a while that... Um, um, older people are at risk of uh, feeling lonely, um, particularly the extreme, you know, like 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 are quite old, uh, particularly if they uh, live alone. So people in moving into aged care facilities, unless they're well supported, are at risk. Um, some groups of young people can be vulnerable, lonely, um, <clears throat> but some other groups which are emerging from the data 
which we now realise are very lonely groups of people, uh, are um, single parents um, are at very high risk of, of, of loneliness, which is unsurprising because separating from uh, marriage and relationship, you know, decimates your mm. social networks. And it's very hard to recover from that. And I'll also point out, it's not while single parents, both, both male, male and female single parents, have this issue, um, single dads in particular are very, very vulnerable to, to loneliness, um, like statistically um, at a much higher rate than other groups of people. Now, just to, to conclude, I, we're just run, uh, running out of time, Roger, but just sure. to con- conclude, uh, you argue that these these conditions that you've been talking about, which lead to this loneliness epidemic, actually have changed the way we manage loneliness and that social media can actually have a significant and positive role to, to play. As a final comment, could you briefly tell us what you're getting at there? Um, I guess I would say that um, social media can absolutely... To, to tackling the loneliness problem if we learn how to use it the right way. <clears throat> um, and I will give an, an, an another new example. So um, I personally um, am a great fan and user of um, the Meetup website. Uh, are you familiar with the Meetup yes, website at yes, all? Yes, I am, yes. Yeah. Um, so I organise uh, three different community groups um, in, in my spare time, um, because I, I just can't get enough of being social because I'm quite a social guy. Um, and I, I, I organised um, them around creative writing because I love creative writing. So um, I, what I love about this particular uh, platform is the focus of a meetup group is to get you in uh, to an activity that you want to do and then bring you to physically meet with other people to do that activity. Mm. Um, so in other words, you stop, so you stop wasting time faffing around online with little updates and whatever, and it really helps you meet in real life the kind of people you want to meet who are interested in doing the same stuff as you. So for me, this is an excellent example of how social media should work for us, not, not, you know, not the other way around. Roger, we're going to have to finish there, but look, that's a very positive way to finish, and I want to thank you very much for being on Communication Mixdown, and also I want to wish you all the best with your research. Thank you for all of that, and I, and I, I had a great time. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. I've been talking there with sociologist and social researcher Roger Patulny, and he's at the University of Wollongong, and we've been talking about his research into the interconnections between loneliness and the use of social media. The podcast of the show will be available shortly on the 3CR Communication Mixdown website. That's all from us this week. We're here again next Monday. And I thought we might go out with a track from the Four Tops way back from 1965. Appropriately, it's all about being lonely.
Foolish you laugh at love and slowly run away. Confident and sure that fate will bring another love that way. 